0: to the Championship Vision Podcast. I'm Coach Kevin Furtado, and welcome to Episode 124. Today, we have Coach John Beck. John Beck played four years of Division I college basketball at Arkansas State and was a graduate assistant coach at the D1 level. He has coached AAU youth, middle, and high school boys and girls basketball. He has coached several Nike elite camps and completed a summer internship In Los Angeles, California in 2016 for Drew Hamlin of Pure Sweat Basketball. Coach Beck has a huge social media following and his workouts have been highlighted on ABC 7 Chicago. He has also been featured on many podcasts including Success is a Choice, The Success Chronicles, and The Championship Vision and The Hoop Heads podcast. He now offers individual, small group, and team training, as well as skills academies and team clinics in Northwest Arkansas and around the country. Throughout his career, his focus has been on total player development and skills coaching. His passion is to help players and coaches reach their full potential on and off the court. Coach Beck shares so many great lessons for coaches, players, and parents that he has learned while working with some of the best players and skill development coaches in the world. If you like listening to the Championship Vision Podcast, please leave us a rating and review on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Every review helps us grow our audience and reach more of the basketball community. Coach, this is part two of our uh, podcast series with John Beck. And I really wanted to get John on because, number one, he's a great trainer. And he's really got an insight into how players can get, get better during this time of isolation, <laughs> and just craziness going on right now. How can a player still get better without going into the gym and staying at home? So he's going to talk about his home workouts and um, talk about, you know, what's a, what's the current status of the NBA and college and what's, what's going to happen with that. So I'd like to welcome Coach John Beck. John, I think we're ready, man. Hey, welcome back to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me again. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, no problem at all. Hey, I'm really uh, – I'm going to pick your brain on what you're doing now. So, I, I know we have a kind of a crazy time right now. So, I really wanted to see you you uh, – part two series here.
1: Yeah, I've, I've seen you've had some great guests on lately. It's a small world, man. A um, couple of the – Coach Rippey and Coach Hallmeyer right here in town. So –
0: I know, man. Hey, we're keeping it a all the all the great
1: in Arkansas, you know that. <laughs> well, you had coach uh, Soslowski on here too, so the CEO of my company. So, those are some good guests.
0: Yeah, absolutely on that. Hey, maybe you can hook me up with uh coach Neighbor over there in Arkansas. What do, what do you think?
1: Man, <laughs> he's the man. He'll do it. He'll definitely do it. He is the man.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Um Hey, John, kind of refresh our memory a little bit, kind of give us, tell us back on, I always like to ask like how uh, people got started in the game and how you created, because I think that has a lot to do with what you're doing now is kind of what you did as a youth, Uh, kind of tell us how you got started in the game and how that created this great passion you have for developing players now.
1: Well, I grew up in a small town in Missouri and my grandmother was a high school volleyball coach, educator, a PE coach. She was real big on, back then it was a, a program called Jump Rope for Heart. So I just kind of grew up in a gym, you know, doing all the things athletes do and kind of victim of circumstance. I was always in the gym when I had to go to grandma's house and mom and dad were working and So I grew up in that kind of a competitive environment uh, with with high school girls, high school volleyball players, believe it or not. And um, I played pretty much everything growing up, you know, baseball, football, basketball, uh, tennis, swam competitively. I mean, everything you can think of. But, um, you know, that and I think with my brother just growing up and my dad was a military father and my mom was a was an educator and, um, you know, real big into health and. I think just having all those kind of influences, it made me really competitive. You know, everything in our household was competitive growing up and seeing my grandma's kind of fire and playing for state championships, and she's actually in the Missouri Volleyball Hall of Fame. So um, just grew up playing everything and had a lot of different coaches and um, fell in love with basketball in about eighth grade and just decided I wanted to be a college basketball player. And I think slowly but surely I just kind of trickled everything off my list as far as sports go you know I think by the 10th grade I think that was my last year doing anything other uh, than just basketball I think I gave up track you know going into my junior season I said I'm not going to even do track anymore I'm just going to solely focus on on basketball but um, ended up being a a scholarship to a division one university and I had you know 15 different offers I had my pick of schools and thought I made the best decision for me at that time and um, played four years at Arkansas State ended up being A graduate assistant, coached uh, every different level, AAU, boys and girls high school, boys uh, junior high, and then um, now I'm training full-time for Pure Sweat. So uh, it's been a journey, but I've always been around uh, since the seventh grade. I've always been around basketball, and that's been my true passion and love.
0: Yeah, and um, you've had some great experiences. I do think your experiences early on in life really mold you, and that um, don't you feel that way when you're working with kids? You really – I mean, even when they're in the fifth, sixth grade, man, we, we as coaches have to do a great job of teaching them the right values because you never know they could end up being, you know, the next John Beck. Don't you feel we have a great impact?
1: Oh, huge impact. I mean, if and, and again, you know, at that age, it's just teaching them how to have great character and how to work hard and how to be a great teammate um and i think all the other stuff you know it comes but and the biggest thing is just you know make sure they're having a lot of fun and they fall in love with the game authentically you know and not just something that's a parent's pressure number of coaches making them do i mean when i'm working with players that's the number one thing is i want it to be fun i want them to walk in and be like there's a smile on their face and they're going to enjoy the workout and so i think sometimes you know going around to different tournaments and watching some of these young kids play. I'm amazed at how many kids just they do it because they're getting made to do it. They're not having as much fun as they should. And I can remember growing up, and it was like as soon as you got home from the school bus, you got a quick snack, and you were outside with your friends. And it was, it was nothing pressured. It was authentic, and it was true love and passion. It was just fun. And so um, I think that that's that's kind of you know missing in our in our world today, and it's a sad thing.
0: It is a sad thing. I'm thinking back. You made me think a little bit. Uh, I grew up in California and I, uh, I went to the university of Santa Clara camp. Check how old I am. Um, you know, uh, Theus, uh, Kurt Rambis, all those guys worked the camps and I had an opportunity to work with Carol Williams, who's a, who's the famous coach of Santa Clara. And, uh, I mean the camp for like 15 bucks back in the day, John, check that out. Um, But I came home, they gave me a workout and I came home, got in the front yard and started working out. I mean, right when I got home, uh, are we just different these days?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the same type of thing is, is, you know, I grew up and and had a a book that a coach gave me. Uh, It was called guard development. It was Ed Schilling and Steve Alford. Yeah. You know, it didn't, (laughs) it didn't cost anything. It was just somebody something gave me and, and I started reading into it and learning about Steve Alford and Ed Schilling. Of course, those names are, you know, obviously really popular today in the, in the game of basketball. But back then as a young kid, it was just kind of like, man, I'm just wanting to get better and learn. And it was a book. And you sit there and you take notes on it. You didn't have YouTube and all the videos and all the resources we have today. But um, you just fell in love with kind of getting better. And it was so basic and simple and fundamental, you know, drills. But Man, it, it makes a big difference, and yeah, times have changed. I mean, now it's like you know you're paying hundreds, if not thousands, of dollars just to to go and play with your friends, and and you're you know my buddy Greg White says it's amazing because you'll have players that they'll travel you know two and four and six hours away and they'll play a team from right down the street, and uh, <laughs> you know it's yeah it, it's and it costs thousands of dollars, and so again uh, back then you know back in the and I'm not real old, but You know, in our days, it was like you you got a bunch of guys together and and you drove across town and you played, or you drove to the town, the next town over and, and you played ball all day and, and, um, you know, competed and had fun. And so times have definitely changed.
0: Yeah. I guess it's the difference between, you know, kids these days have to, they have to be in a gym, um, where we, we use the outside a lot. And I think, I think playing outside to me is extremely healthy. Um and I think we missed that. Now now kind of kind of going on to that a little bit. Kind of a little carry over here. So with the projected numbers for this virus and you see that yesterday John 100,000 possible deaths. I mean that is really scary. Um is that more fear or is that really possible projections you think that will happen?
1: Uh, I, I just think there's so many unknowns and and uh, it is a scary time. My mom's in the medical profession and, and uh, actually has a few people that are directly in her hospital that, that actually are on ventilators and, and have it. So it's a scary time. Um, and there, I, there are just so many unknowns. You know, I, I, I kind of tweeted out there's so many people <laughs> that all of a sudden they have all these friends and these acquaintances that, and these top secret agencies that they know. And it's like, man, you don't know anything like the rest of us don't know anything. And so there's so many unknowns. Uh, but looking at the numbers and looking how it's spread throughout, you know, throughout the globe, it, it's it's scary, and um, you know, following all the guidelines is definitely something. And I'm glad you mentioned outside because I'm actually doing a lot of outdoor workouts right now, um, just because we're trying to find creative ways. But following all the guidelines, you know, not doing anything with contact. You know, making sure we keep distance, making sure we're you know keeping our hands away from our face and and washing our hands, you know, throughout the workout. Just trying to um, to do stuff to keep kids you know active during this time, keep them positive, keep them you know uplifted, and and uh, we're doing. I'm I'm doing some outdoor workouts, and so it's uh, it's been it's been a blessing.
0: Yeah, and I think really the key is, and this is my own opinion. You tell me what you think is we definitely have to be more disciplined on the social distancing. I mean, I see it all the time, even in our area, the kids are coming back and they're just, I mean, they, they don't think anything's wrong. Um, and that's where us as adults really have to step in and say, man, you guys need to do, cause that, you know, who knows who can be a carrier, right, John?
1: That's, that's true. Yeah. It's not a, it's definitely not like a summer break. You know, it's, it's as real and, and um you know it can be affected and i just reached out to parents and just said of the kids that i train and said hey you know i can come to your home uh, if if that's a risk to you then we can do stuff you know online we can do programs but um it's the same type of risk i think if you're going to go out to the grocery store you know if you're going to go you know grab something i think it's the same type of risk and so um, but I am, you know, one to kind of teach and preach throughout the workout. So I'm talking about those kind of things like, hey, don't be inviting, you know, four and five friends over and doing this type of stuff. I'm limiting workouts to, you know, no more than three at a time. Right. Most of the time, Those have been two. But um, just trying to trying to stay within all the guidelines. Obviously, that's safety first, you know, more than anything else. Um, but, yeah, it's a scary time.
0: Now John let's let's um I believe now I think I think what we'll learn from this matter of fact I have an 8th grader that lives right around the corner from me she's dribbling the basketball by herself around now she's probably maybe trying to impress the varsity coach I don't know but uh, you know I see kids doing a lot of individual workouts running fitness I think this is going to help us be more self-sufficient because I don't think basketball players these days are self-sufficient enough where they get in the gym by themselves or outdoor. Is this going to help that to improve their skills?
1: Yeah. I mean, again, I think it's, it's safety, you know, first and foremost. Um, But I've told my players, Hey, you can work on your game without worrying about the result. You can work on your game without, you know, being seen by a recruiter, you know, sometimes a lot of players they want exposure, but they end up getting exposed. And every player has a gap in their game; they've got right. things they want to improve on. And so I say, hey, look, you know, trying to see the silver lining is you don't have to, you know, worry about failing in front of someone, which sometimes kills a player's confidence in the off season. Um, you just got to keep kind of a growth mindset and go to work in the dark. You know, uh, Drew Hanlon has kind of, you know, coined the term the unseen hours. And sure it's like, hey, these are the unseen hours. You know, it's an isolation type thing. And and basketball is one of those games like golf. It's, it can be an isolation game. It can just be you and a ball and and you can get a lot better. But I just say, hey, get comfortable with the unseen hours. And this is a great time to separate yourself as a player. Um, you know, I think you just got to find ways to, to solve problems and be creative, but um, you can definitely separate yourself.
0: All right, and let's talk about that. Like uh, you sent me some great workouts and so forth that I've already sent to my players and everything. I really appreciate that. Um, give me first of all, give me when you work out with your group of three players. Tell me, give me, be be specific. What are you working on with them? Uh, and then also, we're going to go on. What do you recommend for kids working out by themselves? Help us out a little bit.
1: Well, it, again, it just depends on what you know, we don't do any cookie cutter approach at pure sweat. And so it's, it's very individualized, but let's just say, for instance, if you just want to kind of give an example of a workout, let's say you've got three guards and you're working on uh, just a simple kind of shift over. You're up in the slot area, you know, the high wing area. And, you know, let's just say a, a player from the opposite side drives middle, your defender kind of stunts in the gap or, kind of comes over and helps a little bit, whatever. Well, you want to shift over to create a little bit of a longer closeout. And then you're going to rip that ball violently and try to get downhill, try to get towards the paint. And so we would just go through those progressive reads. We we, I always like to start off with the defense is really bad and then work up where the defense is just elite. And so, for instance, we would just shift over. We would rip the ball downhill and we would say the defense is, you know, kind of on our hips. And we're just going to work on a, a stride stop, kind of a quick one, two, get off two feet in the paint, finish. Um, and then we would just progress from there. And I could go through the entire progression if you want me to do that.
0: Let, uh, let's do it. Yeah, absolutely. I really want the coaches to kind of see and uh, kind of what that you do so they can add it to their program.
1: Absolutely. So then we would just say, OK, you know, maybe, maybe go into another finish where we rip, we get downhill and. We get really quick, no, no secondary defender comes over, so we get inside hand finish, you know, on the, on the left side. Let's say we're on the left wing, um, do it for the left, you know, going, going left. And then, you know, we would say, okay, now the defender, the primary defender is maybe if you go to that left hand to try to score and they're kind of behind you, then we would obviously have to get to the other side. So we would kind of keep the ball high across our chest and maybe got a little quick reverse layup on the other side with our right hand. And, again, we would just build from there. Now we say, okay, we rip, we shift over, we rip the ball downhill, and now we got a shot blocker. And we say, hey, look, the shot blocker is either going to take away the rim or they're going to take away drive, depending on where they're at, how good a help they are, how athletic they are. And so let's just say they're taking away rim. Well, if they're taking away rim, we're going to have to get to some kind of a touch shot, some kind of a runner or a floater, something quick. And so we work on the footwork of that. And then, then you say, hey, if they're if they're going to take away drive, which means they're in better help or they come maybe outside the paint or maybe, you know, depending on their angle, they're either going to take away, you know, left or right. So we would say, hey, we're going to do something where we evade middle and we're going to evade the defender, get into the middle and get into some different footwork of that. So we may go a pro hop. We may go a euro step. We may go a cross step. Um, and again, depending on the players and how much we've worked together, you know, they'll know those kind of things. And then we say, okay, the angle of their recovery of the secondary defender is they're taking away the middle, but they're taking away the drive. Now we got to do something where we fake middle, maybe we get to like a pound evasion and then we go to the baseline and try to score on either side of the rim with either hand. Um, and then you just kind of build it from there. Now you got a great secondary defender. Well, if you can't get to a finish, I mean, it's going to be simple. You're either going to try to separate or you're going to try to maybe pass the ball. So we go into some separation moves, the mid-range moves, not a three and not a finish, but, you know, kind of that gray area, kind of that hollow area. Mm -hmm. And so then we kind of go through some different mid-range moves. I usually give players, you know, four or five different mid-range moves that I see that work on film really great. And then we say, hey, what are things you're comfortable with? And again, depending on if I've worked with the player, I know which ones they use in their game. But I would give, you know, probably five mid-range moves, maybe a same foot stop or a cross, you know, cross step, step back. Um, Maybe some kind of a pullback where I'm pulling the ball back between my legs or behind my back. Um, Even a Michael Jordan, you know, when he hits the shot against Utah, it just does the crossover with a little separation, but some type of a pullback. Um, I would do some type of a skip, you know, kind of where you change the angle of your feet and separate from a defender. Most advanced is probably a bump off where it can be, you know, with contact or without, but just you kind of shuffle, like a, think of like an inside out and kind of create a little space and shuffle out, um, get a little bit more separation. And we work on shots out of that. Um, Then you would get into a hard, just a shift over, rip downhill, one dribble pull up. And then you would get into, again, the defense is getting better. And so then you would get to a, they're taking that away almost and so we get into change direction so they're almost just overreacting to the first rip downhill so where we would maybe tap and then change direction between our legs or behind our back and again we would get downhill and work on some different finishes off that and then we would work on ripping changing direction and getting uphill separating and getting to a shot and then we would get to let's shift over uh we'll Kind of Kevin Durant. We talked about this, I think, in our first podcast we did together, where we'll kind of pop, make it look like we're going down left, and then we get back to the middle for a pull up jump shot, one dribble pull up. Right. Go both ways with that one dribble pull up, and then we would get to again. The defense is getting a lot more elite, so when you shift over and you're catching it, they're there, they're up in you, and so we're gonna maybe try to raise the ball and raise our hips a little bit, get a little shot fake and we would get into one dribble pull-ups either way off of the shot fake. And then also the way the game has changed, we want to get into what we call a shift dribble, so we would shot fake and then stay behind the three-point line depending on the footwork. You know, I think if you're bigger and more athletic, if you're taller, you may just do kind of a little shuffle over. You don't need as much space to stay behind the three-point line. If you're like me and you're a six-foot, you know, guard playing Division one basketball, you may need to shot fake and kind of cross-step to create more space and then stay behind the three point line and get your shot off. And then of course, you know, the last one we would just shift over and then just catch and shoot a three quick, you know, where it's just a, a contest um, and you want to get them. And again, I like to go, you know, three or four reps of finishes and then try to get five or, you know, six, maybe even up to eight good makes off the jump shots. But that would be, you know, in kind of a nutshell. And then we also want to go through passing reads. And so, Hey, look, you know, again, you just build those passing reads. You drive downhill and there's the defender, you know, X5. Let's say the defender taking away the post player comes over and helps. Hey, we can dump that little pass off. We can throw a lob or throw a bounce. We're not throwing anything. Chest passes. If you do, it's a turnover because it's going to get deflected or stolen most of the time. Or post players can't catch the ball. You, you've, you've seen those post players that are down there and those guards fire those little quick shovel passes or little chest passes and it just, boom, hits them in the hands or the face. Sure, can't catch it. So we always say, "Hey, post players sometimes they're a little bigger, slower. They just can't make those quick catches." And so, but man, they're really good at catching lobs, keeping the ball high, and they're good at catching off the bounce pass for whatever reason. So, um, if if X five comes over and helps, but then let's say X three in the opposite corner comes and takes away the post player, then we got to be able to kick to a little, you know, skip it on the line, off the jump, uh, off the dribble, or a quick you know, hook pass, which is if you're really skilled, you could throw a hook pass to that corner or a drift pass to the corner. Um, if that corner lifts up, then we got to be able to make that, you know, pass over to the wing. But, again, you're just trying to progressively go through reads for play. Hey, this is NBA skills coach Drew Hanlon of Pure Sweat Basketball, and you are listening to the Championship Vision Podcast. Hello, this is Craig Reed, owner and CEO of Corny Board Eights. We specialize in providing coaching aids and equipment for the basketball coach. We are also home of the Corny Board, the original sideline coaching board. I want to recommend Championship Vision Podcast. It is a great way to get insights into what other great coaches and leaders do in their programs. Kevin Furtado brings a great tool to coaches with this podcast. Thanks, Coach Furtado. Players, and again, if you can make those reads just yes or no or if-then questions, man you're a really good teacher if they take away drive then we'll make this pass if they take away that then we'll make this if you can do that and br- break it down for players into yes and no questions you can be a really good teacher and you'll see players really start to get to that kind of aha moment and when you can simplify as a teacher that's when you get to those aha moments and, and that's a big difference teaching is the number one most important thing when it comes to you know anything. Uh, basketball, skills training, whatever it is. If you're can, if you a teacher, you're at a high premium. And I hope yeah, you that's know, a great that you go, you know, just go a, if you're getting all that, going through those kind of progressive reads.
0: It, it really did. Yeah, I, I love how you explained that. Now, now in your workouts now, if you, obviously, I'm assuming you can't play defense now because of contact. Is that correct, John? Or? Yes,
1: that's true. And so we would just go through those. We would how are you
0: simulating that? How are you simulating that?
1: Yeah, so D. we would just – Again, just kind of show hey, this is kind of what could happen. Obviously, in this time with the guidelines, you know, we're not doing anything, but just getting them reps of those different things that can happen. Uh, again, you're just getting reps and you're getting a good workout and you're getting right. shots of those kind of actions. But you notice I didn't say anything, there's no you know, two balls. There's no crazy moves. We're not doing any isolation. We keep it pretty simple. I mean, just just like stopping and starting in the mid range, is is really big. And so, um, you know, I always tell players, don't ever you know underestimate just being able to stop and start on control, you know, under control on balance. Um, if you can do those things in the mid range, you're a pretty good player anywhere, really. <clears throat>
0: Yeah. And I love it because I think players now I think what, what I'm seeing is, again, I'm going back to what I believe in for individual players is now is the time to really work on your technique. There's no defense. You can really rep it out on technique and really experiment.
1: Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And again, I always tell players just just talk to your coach. And and these coaches should be, you know, FaceTiming or doing some group text or Google Classroom or whatever. I've I've talked to a lot of different coaches the last few weeks about, you know, all the creative ways they're kind of touching base with their players. But give your players, you know, tell them what their roles are. Tell them what you see for them next season, you know, if there's a next season. And, um, right. and That's try for to sure. simplify and, and at Pure Sweat, even with professional players, I mean, with Joel, with Jason Tatum, I mean, you can't get better at everything in an off season. So lock in on three things. Tell your – give your players three things to really lock in on that are going to help their game and their role. And um, if you can do those things and then those kids can get, you know, six to ten workouts a week working on those things. Let's say you got three different workouts and you're just rotating them. And it doesn't have to be, you know, an hour workout. You could, but you could do it two a day. You could do something where you work on your skills in the morning and then you can go out and shoot some game shots in the evening, even if, it, if it's a 15, 20, 30 minutes, you know, with a sibling or with a dad rebound or whatever. But um, you, you definitely can't use the excuse where you don't have time or I don't have, you know, I got to do this and I got to do that because right now kids are just, you know, focusing on, you know, some schoolwork at home and, and right. work on their games.
0: Yeah, I think it's great for the kid. I think it's perfect now because I know um, – of course, our our school right now is on. It's funny how you say it; they're on spring break, but um, we're doing online learning. So, I think it's a good break for the athletes to get out um, and really want to get out and work on their game. I I think this is the perfect time to really work on your game. Now, how do you? I always believe that you measure. You have to measure something. So, if I'm going to do if I'm going to do that series you just talked about, are you focusing on makes percentage? Uh, you have a time constraint that you have to do these. Well, what are you doing, John, to measure things?
1: Yeah, so um, let's say I was going to, you know, I had those same three players and we want to do some time and maybe some competitive stuff. I would say, hey, look, we're going to start off with, um, you know, you're going to shift over. You're always going to just kind of shift. Let's say, I, let's say I do a 90-second progression. So I got one rebounder, one passer, and and one kid on that left wing. And they're going to shift over. And I say, let's start with – we're going to start with three dribbles. So we're going to start with the defense is is really, really, you know, good and they're taken away. So we're going to rip downhill one dribble. We're going to change direction between our legs or behind our back. We're going to change our angle of our hips. So we're going to go back towards the elbow or the three-point line with another dribble, and we're going to shoot a a jump shot. Get on balance, you know, make sure – you know, we got our shoulders over our hips and we're on balance, a nice wide base, and we're going to knock down that jump shot. And then we're going to come right back. We're going to shift over. That was three dribbles. So now we're going to go to two dribbles. So now we're going to go to any kind of mid-range move that you want, that you're most comfortable. Let's say we just do a same foot stop. So we rip, we go one dribble, and on the second dribble, we just stop in a lunge. We pop our feet to balance, and then we raise up on balance, knock down a jump shot. That's two dribbles. And then the next one, we rip hard one dribble pull up, and then the next one we catch and shoot. So I just did three dribbles, two dribbles, one dribble, and no dribble, catch and shoot. And we just repeat those reads for 90 seconds. And it's just boom, 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 over and over again. And we say, hey, look, you got to get 12 makes right here in 90 seconds. You got to get 12. And then that first person goes, they get 10. Hey, the number to beat's 10, but we got to get 12. And then, the, you know, you could just do that on both sides of the floor, but it gives them kind of a way to, you know, Test themselves, be competitive, try to, you know, shoot for a number. And if you were to do that again in the next workout, you could say, hey, man, last time you got 11, let's try to get, you know, better. Let's see if you've been working. Let's see if you've taken some shots this week. You know, if you've been out here working every day or five days a week, you should be able to beat that number. Um, So I don't like to do like, hey, we're going to work out for one hour. Sometimes with younger players, we do that. But it's more of, you know, just – However long and, and intense the workout is, how their body's feeling, that's the first question I ask them when I walk in is, hey, how's your body feeling? You know, if it's a seven, you know, we may, we may scale back a little bit, do a little bit more teaching, talk about the micro skills, the pace, the angles, the ball protection, you know. But if they say, coach, I'm a nine or I'm a ten, I mean, we're going to get it. You know, we're going to get a lot of intensity and it's going to ramp up as the workout kind of goes. Um any in workouts can be 45 minutes to an hour and 15, depending on kind of how their body feels that day and how many kids are there and that type of thing. But um is, is that a way to answer that question? I can be more specific it is. than me too.
0: No, no, I love that. I think everybody's a little bit different. Um I'm even um I, I love the old 9450 ball. I don't know if you remember that ball where it actually measured how quickly you got your shot off. And, and it was, it was, to me, it was a great measurement tool. I still think we have to time players on moves. Um, is, is that kind of far-fetched or you actually, when that player catches the ball, is there a certain, at the pro level, is there a certain time limit where a great player really kind of thrives in where he can get off his shot in a certain period of time?
1: Yeah, that's, and that's kind of just the pass the eye test type thing. But if we get to the really analytics of it, you know, you, you want to get, you know, some, some of the elite are getting their shot off in, you know, half of a second or even less, uh, 0.3 to 0.5. But I always say for players, you, you know, you got to be able to get it off in less than a second. So that's kind of what we right. to try to get to. But um, if I notice a player – you know, hey, that's, that's, that's no way it's going to get off. You got the ball. Sometimes it's, it's just about mechanics, you know. So if you got a kid who right. they're shooting it really quick, but the ball's way out from their body, number one, you want to keep it in tight to your body because you're going to get under the ball quicker and you're going to have more lift on the ball. But number two, you're going to keep it away from defenders. And so, you know, it's, it's just saying, hey, try to keep that ball tight to your body as opposed to, hey, man, you're not shooting it quick enough because then they're going to try to speed up their shot and it's gonna be the same, you know, mechanics and it's gonna now it's gonna change their mechanics instead of just saying, Hey, try to keep that ball tied to your body. And then when you say that, all of a sudden the shot gets a little bit quicker. So I like to focus on kind of the positives of it of hey, you're getting a little bit tired, you know, keep that ball tight to your body as opposed to man, you're not gonna get that shot off. There's no way, it's too slow. And it's just kind of triggering that brain to think about the positives as opposed to, hey, man, you're just not – it's too slow, it's too bad, there's no way it's getting off. And so, um, again, I, I think it's important the way, you know, kind of the language we use as coaches.
0: Yeah, I think your great coaches uh, and your trainers like yourself, man, they they give quick teaching points, right, John, and boom, so you can keep, keep it moving on. I think a lot of coaches – over top, correct?
1: Yes. I've been to some, some different clinics of, you know, just supporting people and and going around seeing how different people teach. And yeah, it's like, hey, this is not about you. You know, this is not about how much you know. and And, and you know, there's a time and place for that. And it's usually at some kind of a coaching clinic where you're trying to teach coaches. But <laughs> exactly not trying to break a, break a player's sweat and, and show them how much you know. And, and, again, just talk in tweets, quick teaching points. Uh, the more time you spend with the player, you learn more about each other. That that communication, you know, is paramount. But um, and, and one of the big things I like to talk to players about when I first meet with them is, hey, look, are you a visual or are you an auditory learner? And it's amazing how many of them don't know. And it's also amazing to me how many of them do know. And you would think most people think athletes are all visual, but it's about 50-50. I mean, there's maybe a little bit more visual, but you'd be amazed at how many kids do want to talk through things. And, um, you know, and, and if they can hear it over and over again, it kind of sticks. Whereas a guy like Joel B that we work with, I mean, he just, he'll just tell Drew do it again, do it again, do it again, and the man seven foot two, you know, two hundred seventy five pounds, and he'll watch <laughs> Drew do it. He'll see it, you know, he'll he'll walk around him. I mean, it's almost like a surgeon just walking around, looking at different angles, you know, or like a golfer, you know, looking at the putt. He'll do it again, do it again, and then he'll just do it. And it's unreal to watch a guy that's that big be able to do things that you know small guards can do. But you know, knowing what kind of a learner your your player is is big when it comes to your teaching and so again you make it less about yourself I mean I can talk all day we can sit there and talk through every little micro skill pace and angle you can think of but if they're not going to be you know if they're learning just visual then I got to be a guy that can demonstrate that and show them either on film not saying you have to be young and big time in shape and be able to do that which I can I take great pride in that but as I get older You know, I'm going to be able to show them on film, but you got to be able to kind of show either, you know, right there physically or on film because sometimes players are visual and you can talk about it all day. They don't, they're not going to get it if that makes sense.
0: It does make sense. Yeah. John, give me a a person by themselves. So if I have my players, you know, sending them a workout and I want them, to either work on, you know, you know more than likely we, we try to work a lot on shooting technique, getting good shots in. Um, I, I'm a big believer in creativity and imagination. Um, what I mean by that, if I'm working out by my own, um, I'm going to put garbage cans out there to make moves around. I'm going to throw the ball off of walls, catch face. Um, I don't know. I, that's just how I grew up learning the game um how can we as uh how can we teach our players to train individually by themselves in the backyard
1: yeah it's what you just said um you know visualization and and talking to yourself i mean i used to throw a baseball against the wall for literally you know three hours at a time and and you're
0: <laughs> exactly you know,
1: you're seeing different <laughs> different guys hit it at you and and pop-ups and whatever but basketball is the same way i mean you you have to have an imagination i mean you you make a move and you drive, and you know, are you picturing, you know, your your kid down there that's down the street? Or are you picturing kind of, you know, Rudy Gobert at the rim? I mean, you just have to have a, a an imagination and and visualize and talk to yourself. Um, you know, it's again, it's an isolation thing. You're out there in the driveway. Talk to yourself. You know, you're you're counting down the game-winning shot or whatever it is. But um, you know, if you're working on as a player, if you're working on handling the ball if you're working on finishing at the rim and you're working on, um, you know, shooting the basketball and taking game shots, you know, off the dribble and spin it out off the catch and you're you're focused on your footwork, those are big things. And you can do those things alone. You know, it's tough sometimes to do decision-making drills, obviously, um, you know, if you don't have any one there, but, you know, think about the game, the way it's changed and the game of basketball today, you know, it's, it's, can you make shots? Can you finish at the rim? And then, you know, again, just focus on the things that you would have to do for your position. So if it's handling the ball against pressure, if it's handling the ball, you know, just work on different aspects of ball handling. Uh, but I just think you can't go wrong as, as opposed, you know, if you're by yourself or even if you're in a basement, you can get better. You can have a ball in just a little area and you can work on different ball handling drills.
0: Right. And and I'm not a big believer in the tennis balls. And I, for some reason, John, I just – I don't do that. I, and I, I'm sure it's good for – Hand-eye coordination. Um, I'm just a big believer in just good, hard pound dribbles, inside-out crossovers. I- I'm so simple. Uh, I don't teach a lot of different layups. I teach power layup. I teach make sure you know how to finish with the outside hand. There's the technique there. Are we over coaching the game on skills?
1: Yeah, there are. There are some. There are a lot of bad teachers out there, um, and there are. You know, um, we're definitely sometimes over, you know, it's under teaching really is what I call it. But when it comes, you know, like when it comes to ball handling, I'm not doing two balls. I'm not doing tennis balls. I don't do any of that type of stuff. I just make it simplistic. Um, You know, when they start throwing out, you know, tennis rackets and tennis balls and that kind of stuff, then we can change. But just I think working with with (laughs) so many professional players, and just seeing how they work on ball handling and how they work. And I know, you know, you have to have an imagination. And with young kids, some two-ball dribble stuff's not bad. Um, I stay away from the tennis balls. But when it comes to ball handling, you know, there are four aspects. There, you got to have a good pound. you got to have control. And what I mean by control is can you manipulate the ball, you know, north, south, east, west, if you're going to do some type of a push crossover where it's not like a low crossover change of direction, but you're kind of, you know, throwing the ball hip to hip you got to be able to manipulate the ball. Um, You also have to work on the tightness of your handle, which is another aspect. And so, you know, how quick can you make change directions and crossovers? And then if you can add the fourth aspect is kind of footwork, where you can add footwork with the way you manipulate the ball and the quickness and the tightness of your handle, those are – the four big keys. And then, you know, if you had to throw a fifth in there, which again, is tough to work on by yourself, but if you can, you know, play out of double teams trap type scenarios where you're able to pull the ball back and keep the ball protected. Uh, Cause that's going to happen, you know, point guards and, and guards in our game, that's going to happen. But again, like you just said, those things are not, you know, real tough. I mean, there's five things you can do with the ball. You're going to pound the ball. You're going to inside out the ball. You're going to cross the ball over. You're going to go between your legs. You're going to go behind your back. And that's it. There's no other move. Right. You know, some that's will say, well, I, what about yeah. this? And I say, yeah, but that's that you're just going behind your back. You know, you're just doing it a different way. Or, you know, what about this? Well, all you're doing is manipulating the ball just because you, you know, spun with your body, your body's doing the moving really. The ball is just, you're just kind of controlling the ball north, south, and east, and west. And so, again, you, it doesn't have to be all this crazy stuff. Um, when you work on the tightness of your handle, you have to let players know that, Hey, look, we're going to go pound inside out crossover between our legs and behind our back as many times as we can for two straight minutes right here. We're going to count, you know, you got to get 40 reps, but you would never do that in the game. I mean, you're, if you come down in right. a game and did that, that coach would get say, get Jimmy out of the game immediately. And so, um, working on it and actually trying to use it as a move or, you know, against a, a live defender in a game is two totally different things.
0: Yeah, those are great points. I was speaking with um, – I had the great opportunity to talk to a lot of great coaches. One was Joe Joe Wooten, who's the son of Morgan Wooten. Uh, I spoke to him the other day, and I asked – I go, Joe, hey, how do you teach dribbling to your players? I mean, do you cross over – and he goes – coach, the first thing that I get my players to do is they got to be able to blow by and get by a player. And that's so simple, but I don't think we do enough. I mean, I really struggle with my players on getting them just to make a hard push dribble, extend dribble out and go by people. Is that true? Yeah.
1: I just call it a separation dribble. I have a, a college player I work with in the area and a great player and his high school coach, you know, I, I, I always reach out to the high school coach and say, what can I help him with? And he said, a separation dribble. I mean, the kid tries to go past somebody, and you can see it on film. Look where his dribble hits. And so, again, you say, hey, look, I want his last three game films, and you just break it down and show him all the times that. Look where your dribble starts at, and then look at the next dribble you take, and you're wondering why, you know, you can't get by a defender. And so, yeah, separation dribble is is definitely, definitely important. Just a blow-by dribble. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. So you got to make contact with the body, right? So it's hip to hip. You got to really push that ball out ahead, yeah, right? Yeah.
1: Or separate, you know, it just depends on the angle and what, the, which, yeah. you know, where you're at on the floor and all that type of stuff. But, but yeah, you definitely have to have a separation dribble.
0: Hey, let's talk about your NBA guys. I, I want the audience to know, like you guys all, um, your whole company works with quite a few NBA guys. Tell us the difference between working with your high school guys and then working with, like you said, Joel Embiid. Uh, um, talk about that and, and what what those guys are focusing on now because they're stuck too. They're not doing anything.
1: Yeah, but, you know, believe it or not, it's the same. Parents always ask me. It's like I, I train, you know, I think that's my downfall is I take things maybe a little bit too serious, but I train, you know, the younger kids like, a, like you would train an NBA player. And so um, – you know, again, I'm just big on pick three things. So like for instance, like Joel, his three big, you know, things last off season. And Drew will, will get with Joel this offseason depending on when that takes place. And he'll go over the things that, that, you know, he has to go over. But we're all at pure sweat. We're we're guys that get to, you know, we're very fortunate to be able to to call on Drew anytime and be around him and help him with workouts. Um, it's not like i'm the one working out joel i'm not the one working out jason i just get to assist him with those things and so there there's definitely a difference but i can bring that back to northwest arkansas and help a lot of players and so like for instance last off season joel's big three things he wanted to focus on in the off season were number one just kind of dominating the low post and mid post and so obviously you see his results this year you know he's he's gotten better and better each year at just dominating those those things. His second one was kind of pick and pop, you know, pick and roll, you know, DHOs, dribble handoffs. Um, His third thing he wanted to focus on the off season was he actually was, you know, top five worst uh, playing out of double teams in the NBA. And so that was one of his big things was I got to get better at, you know, kind of playing and passing out of double teams. And so again, when he gets withdrew and we're assisting with those workouts, I mean, those are what the workouts are going to be focused on. It's going to be, you know, you may spend a whole entire hour on just low post moves and talking about all the different things and being able to spin off or being able to do, you know, push out steps and counters, you know, in the low post and the next workout, maybe, Hey, we're going to go all pick and roll, you know, pick and pop DHOs. And so again, you see how they just make it simplistic. It's like, what am I going to do in games? Let's get really good at those things. And so working with a high school player, like for instance, I'm working with a girl that's a college player and, um, she just signed a, uh, well, she's actually verbally committed to union university, which is a D two school in Tennessee and reach out to that college coach. And I say, Hey, look, I'm going to be helping her with, you know, trying to develop a plan to get better. What are the three things that you want me to focus on? And she said, thank you so much for reaching out. That means a lot. The three things we want her to be able to do, she's kind of a four, kind of a, a four girl working on trying to become a three. So it's like we got to be able to make, you know, trail threes, be able to shot fake, put it on the floor for one bounce and score, you know, in kind of the middle third of the floor. we got to work on, you know, ceiling and low post moves, and not just the low post moves, but all the different little, again, micro skills of how to seal different ways, different angles, and and being able to kind of, you know, have an advantage as a post player. And then the last one was, you know, pick and roll, pick and pop, you know, shots, game shots, and being able to, f- to have finishes off the pick and roll and being able to, again, catch the ball and shoot or pop and change angle, go either way, shot fake one dribble. Uh, but again, you just see how it's the same type thing. And so when I get with that girl, I say, Hey, look, this is what your college coach is saying. Your high school coach is also saying this, this, and this. So, you see how your game is going to evolve as a player. Um, you can't get better at everything, so we're going to focus on these three things in our workouts. And so you can make that for a high school junior girl, or you can make it for Joel Embiid, which is a, you know, top five player in the league and NBA all-star. Does that make sense?
0: Well, it makes a lot of sense, yeah. Um, and that's that's great, that's great information for us coaches because sometimes we think – we have to give our kids a general workout. Is that, is that what you see a lot? Just everybody gets a standard workout, which is it's good. But I think coaches need to take the time out to give, really point out to their kids and say, hey, these are the three things we want you to get better. Probably in my case, probably just two yeah, things, right? Yeah, and I agree. <laughs> it,
1: there is a time and place for it. I'm not saying it's bad. There are a lot of trainers out there that work with young players and it's a generic, you get a bunch of cones out and you dribble through cones and you go finish and you do this and do that. And you, Hey, we're going to go through this cone and go between our legs three times and pull up and shoot a jump shot. And there's a time and place for that. um, Depending on that player's development, depending on how young they are sometimes, but at some point you have to graduate past that. You have to, if you're going to be the best player you can become, there comes a time in your development when, the cookie cutter approach and the stand in line waiting for four people to go in front of you, that has to end. And you have to get really serious about it. Um, If that time never comes again, if I meet with a player and I say, Hey, look, what are your goals? What is your vision? Do you want to be a scholarship player? Do you want to play in college? No coach. I really don't care about playing in college. I don't want to be a college player that changes things. You know, it's like, I kind of want to be a good high school player. I'm probably going to go get in a fraternity in college and just be a normal student, you know? Um, Again, what do you want out of this then? Do you want to just get a good workout? Do you want to just, do you want to focus on a few things? Do you want to take kind of a cookie cutter approach? But again, that goes back to that communication up front and finding out, you know, what that player's kind of needs and wants and goals are. Um, But once you get serious about being a player, you got to lock in on what your role is and perfect that role. And like you just said, yeah, it's not going to take many things, one to three things in an offseason. Um, you know, there's just there's just no reason to get any more, you know, advanced and, and detailed than that. Pick a couple things and perfect those things. I always tell players when you come back after this quarantine's over, you know, like let's just say, you know, uh, Coach Rippey's, one of Coach Rippey's players that I'm working with right now, I say he should – Coach Rippey should tell you, oh, my gosh, that kid's gotten way better at that. Like, it shouldn't be any kind of a debate with his staff. They should know that we gave him that to work on, and he's gotten a lot better at it. And so, if you don't pick a couple things, then you're not going to see that kind of drastic improvement. You're not going to turn any heads, you know, when you get back into the gym, whenever that is.
0: That's a great point. And let's be honest, Coach. It's true for us coaches. We always try to do too much, focus on one concept, one thing at a time. It's so easy to get away from that. You were talking about Coach Rippey and Coach and I, I really enjoyed talking to both of them from Bentonville. Uh, what how do they work with you? Because I do think a lot of high school coaches are a little bit intimidated by trainers, don't you think? And how do you build that relationship with them so they feel comfortable giving you their players?
1: Yeah, so I'm, I'm fortunate to work with so many of their players, um, even in the junior high, their feeder schools uh, coming up. And so having a relationship with them is, is everything. And number one, it, it comes back to just building trust, letting them know that, hey, look, I've been a coach. I'm not just some guy off the street that's, you know, I am a coach. I've been a coach. I've been in your shoes. I've been a high school coach. Um, I've, I've done it in college. I've, I was a graduate assistant. And so I am here to support you. I'm never going to, I even go to players and I say, hey, what is Coach Rippey call?" Hey, this is NBA skills coach Drew Hanlon of Pure Sweat Basketball, and I'd love to help you get game results this season. Check out a free trial of my Pure Sweat training app on the Google Play and App Store today. Hi, I'm Alex Stevenson, athletic director and girls basketball coach at Dodd City. I've been at Dodd City for seven years. During those seven years, we've won seven district championships, been to six regional tournaments, and three state championship games. I'm a huge fan of this podcast, what it brings, and the platform that we're able to share knowledge and wisdom on and, and grow as coaches all this what does coach hallmeyer what's his terminology for this and they say it's this okay and then i use that terminology but building a relationship with them when i first moved here it was go and talk to them go to their practices hang out learn add value give them drill books give them you know shooting drills give them things that concepts hey you want me to watch your film um i just the other a few days ago I made a, you know, I I sit down for about three hours and just did a a ball screen clinic and typed up, you know, four or five pages of ball screen stuff. I just sent it out to all the coaches in the area. I mean, you have to add value and they have to be able to trust you and know that you're going to help their players within their system, not in what you think is best for them. And so, you know, I don't work with any players. I worked with Coach Hallmeyer's girls last year I did a 12 week academy with like 12 of his girls, but. I, I asked him, hey, what are the things you kind of want me to focus on? And so what are things that you're watching film and you're not maybe great at? Coach Rippey, the same thing. You know, I, I, I don't work with any player without talking to their high school coach. And there's even a few times that uh, a mom will say, oh, we don't really want you talking to the high school coach. We don't like him that much. And, he's, and I said, well, then I'm not going to be the trainer for you. I'm very sorry. But I have to be able to have feedback from a guy or a girl that sees them every day. There's no better, you know, AAU coaches, they're great, but they don't see a kid every day and not just, you know, in practice. But how are they in school? How are they treating kids, other kids in the hallways? How are they? So on and so forth. And so building that relationship is paramount. I mean, it's it's huge. But I've just done it, um, you know, again, by. Going to all the games. I mean, I don't. There's not a there's not a high school game night that I'm not at. And sometimes I'll go watch a girls' game over here and then drive ten minutes across town and watch a boys' game over here. But um, I always try to pick the kind of the best games in the area. Um, try to shoot them texts as much as I can. You know, Twitter add value by giving them, you know, anything that they need. I had another local high school coach today reach out and just say, "Hey, I need you know some in home workouts for my players. This thing is not going away for a while, and so." Um, adding value and and having trust and just being around, constantly being around, being at practices, being with their players. Hey, so-and-so's, you know, look good. You know, hey, she's really doing a lot better at feeding the post and trying to be just a a problem solver, a solution for for players and helping coaches and players is everything, especially in my profession.
0: Yeah, no doubt. You got, um, I still think, These days, I think it's almost necessary. I think um, you got to have – I think you can't be afraid of getting feedback from other reliable sources. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So, you guys, your trainers are reliable sources. I think sometimes you can get the wrong feedback. So, we got to be careful as high school coaches. But I do think by getting in harmony with a good trainer, I think, is very valuable. I mean, you can get more done for that kid, right? Yeah,
1: I mean – again that's that's kind of our job as pure sweat as is to kind of bridge that gap there is a gap between coaches and trainers they're like oh my gosh they're going to have this kid doing you know 14 different dribble moves and and think it's about them and and again that's where it's different is in our trainings we're talking about you're not going to have the ball very much you got, you have to be a great teammate. I mean, they're very, you know, if you break it down, I can give them a, a game film and I'd say, Hey, look, you know how many minutes you had the ball last night, you had it for one minute and 32 seconds. That's how, that's how much you had the ball in the whole entire 32 minute game. And so when you can show players, that, right. you have to be able to make passes. You have to be able to feed the post. You have to be able to defend. You have to be able to, you know, make progressive reads. You have to be able to just be able to catch and swing the ball one more pass. I mean, when you have to, when you make workouts out of those things, and explain to them, you know the different passing and the reads and the decision making things. Those are the things that separate again. And so, um, well, I think when trainers kind of make it about themselves and not the player, and they just again that cookie cutter approach, and we're going to do this, this, and this, and those just those things don't happen in games. And so again, the more you can teach and and simplify and make things game like then obviously that high school coach is going to be like, hey, this guy, this girl, they have a clue. They're teaching you things that are going to be game-like and relative to your game. So it's not just about <clears> – <throat> it's, it's about what is that role for that player in that system. And, again, I, I get a lot of feedback from just going and watching those games. That's why I go to so many of them, you know, is, is not only to learn about the players that I work with, but it's also if so-and-so calls me and says, hey, Coach Hallmeyer said you're a good guy to call, I know Coach Hallmeyer's system. I mean, I've seen, gosh, over the last few years, I've seen 50 of his games. I've watched him on film or watched him in person. And so I know what he's trying to do offensively. I know what he's trying to do defensively. And so when I work with a player, I can can feed off of those things in workouts. I know what you're going to have to be able to do at that position. I know what his twos and threes are going to have to do. I know what his post players are going to do. And so again, that makes a huge difference. And so that, that trust and being able to be efficient and game-like within a system is everything for a player.
0: Yeah, and that's so true. But, um, you know, you guys, uh, you guys are well-trained under Peter sweat. So, I mean, you have the reputation of, of really caring about the kids. Um, do you think trainers around the country, uh, I'm, I'm just giving my personal opinion, John, I don't think, a lot of these guys are well trained. I think they're good athletes, but I, I don't think they have a really a good clue on how to develop players. A lot of them think they do. So, is that a problem is, in your profession?
1: It, it is a huge problem, and I totally agree. There are very few teachers that see the big picture, and it, it's it's such a watered down thing. You know, it's it's everybody that thinks anything they know anything about basketball is a trainer. Um, I work at the home. I'm off exactly here at Walmart and I have a big facility that I get to use and you'd be ama- you'd be amazed at how many people just come in there and every other day they're training somebody and um, the stuff they do it's again time and place I'm not I'm not knocking those guys and girls but it's just it's not what really develops players so there's a difference in you think you're a trainer and actually you know helping a player develop and so again there's a time and place but it it is, it's something where there's not really much governance. There's no, you know, governing body of it. You can, you know, you can put a a trainer on the back of your shirt and all of a sudden you're a trainer. You know, you can uh, go to the, go to Walmart and buy a whistle and say, Hey, I'm a trainer. I'm a basketball trainer. You know, come, come get my workouts, pay us, you know, pay so-and-so dollars and your kid can get better with me. A lot of parents don't know. They just think, oh man, so and so's really good. So and so said that you know they were they were a good trainer, and so um, I do take a lot of pride in pure sweat. I, I I you know seeked out the best for a reason. Um, I seeked out you know Drew and wanted to do the internship because I know I've known him for a long time. I know how he teaches the game, and so um, there's a, there's a huge difference in in being a trainer and being a developer, being a, a coach, being a teacher of the game.
0: And John, uh, I actually have, uh, Drew sent me a, uh, matter of fact, uh, my goal is to get Drew back, uh, actually Drew on the podcast. I'd love to get you guys back-to-back. Wouldn't that be Uh, awesome, man? Two legends back-to-back on the podcast.
1: He would definitely do it. You got to reach out to him. He can't say he doesn't have He can't say he doesn't have You guys have
0: it. Yeah, you guys have an app, right? You have an app uh, that you guys put out? really,
1: really good. Got a lot of my players that actually use it during this time, and so – uh, he's actually been filming some kind of in-home workouts that are going to help players too, uh, which I've been kind of posting on social media. I just had so many people reach out, you know, across the, across the globe saying, sure. you know, this is a this is a tough time. What can we do as, you know, as players and coaches to, to get better during this time? And so I'm going to post a few more today. I'm going to try to get, you know, over 20 posted. I think I've got like 15 so far, but um, just being able to, you know, to do those things kind of really helps Um, as far as like with trainers too, is I think there are a lot of trainers that just kind of, you know, they go online, they, they kind of copy and paste workouts they see, and they think they're, you know, kind of teaching, but they they need to invest their time instead of copying and pasting workouts and doing what they see online and mimicking those things. They need to kind of invest their time on how to effectively teach, you know, and, and the way you do that is by, getting great mentors or going and learning how the best of the best teach and talk. I mean, that's what I did. I went and, and saw how drew, you know, for three months, how he teaches, how he talks, uh, how he pivots, you know, during the workout, how he talks to players about how's your body feel, what's your mind like. Um, but I think so many want to just jump in. I'm a trainer and instead of let's stop rushing the process and let's become great teachers of the game because if you can become a great teacher the sky's the limit on how far you can go in the industry Uh, you know if you want to be a trainer for the rest of your life or you want to be a coach you know being able to teach players is what will separate you yeah
0: that's great advice and that's why I mean to be honest with you that's why I love talking to guys like yourself because I want to learn from you from, from what's the best way to teach a skill to help my players out because I got to teach them a lot of stuff, correct? So I think I think I like to really study skills trainers because ultimately we have to get our players yeah. and, better um, skilled.
1: You know, player development is being able to give, you know, solutions to players problems and being able to teach teach the game, you know, through those things. If you can teach with detail, you know, and, and you can help a player – that's having a problem and get to a solution. I mean, again, that's just, you're so valuable. And, you know, especially during the season where, you know, physically, you can't be as physically demanding. You got to be more of a teacher. I mean, for me, when, when you're in season, it's a totally different workout than when you're in the off season, it's more of, Hey, let's just kind of walk through this. Let's just kind of medium pace. We're just talking through stuff dummy defense and trying to get you where you're kind of comfortable and confident and you get to a solution. And then seeing those players, you know, be able to go out on a Friday night on game night and put that into action and be confident and be successful with the things that you've taught them. I mean, there's just no better feeling in the world. So.
0: Yeah, it's a great point, John. I, again, man, you feel, filled, filled the podcast with some great wisdom uh, and before you go Do you think – I've heard some things about the NBA possibly coming back, maybe playing the rest of the games on a neutral site, no fans. Do you think the NBA is going to come back? And, heck, do you think the high school game is going to come back I definitely
1: don't think the high school game um, will be back. You know, not this year. I mean, I know some states have said we're going to try to postpone, but it's not going to happen. But, again, I'm not any – you know, I'm not a doctor – I don't know. I think we're a lot of unknowns. Um, the NBA, it's it's scary because you come back too soon, and then somebody gets it. I mean, what do you? So I just don't know. <laughs> I right. wish I could answer that, but um, man, it's just it's such a scary time and such an unknown time that I'm not sure if that's going to happen or not. Um, I hope it does, but you never know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, of course, the only reason why I think, you know, the only reason why they're considering it is there's a lot of money at stake. I know that. Um, and to me, man, don't take a chance, but you know, I I'm not speaking on behalf of the NBA. So uh, I know they have a lot at stake. Hey, John, thank you again, man, for coming on. What's one final piece of advice you can give us coaches to develop our kids during this time? What's one final well, piece of advice you can give ways, us,
1: but yeah, um... You know, again, you can go on my Twitter. You can always reach out to me for, uh, you know, any kind of workouts. But give give your kids mm-hmm. things to do. You know, give your give your kids at home workouts to improve their athleticism, their their speed, their quickness, their agility, their their power. You know, their plyometric. Um, you know, because that's their kind of their athletic foundation is their body. You know, give them nutrition advice. Um, and then you can get into the, you know, skill-specific workouts. Give your players, like you said, you're a high school coach. Give them one or three things they can really lock in on. And if they have, you know, availability where they could you know, they are they can have a rim to get to where they can work on their game or a park that's close by without, you know, the, the goal being removed or whatever, um, give them things to do. You know, this is the time where they can, again, work on their games. They have no excuses not to not to kind of work on it. And then, um, you know, the second piece of that advice is, is, is kind of going from the physical aspect, but then, you know, kind of the mental aspect of it is, is use this time to, to spend with, with family, friends, and loved ones. Um, I I think just in this time, the one currency that we all still have is kind of the, just the love and affection for one another, the relationships, um, You know, you think about all the things we've invested in as an adult, our jobs, our 401ks, Roth IRAs, retirement. um, And those things will come back. I mean, sure, they will. Right? You know, they've all nosedived. Um, They've all, you know, went south really quick. And I think the one thing that you can never go wrong in investing in is each other and the memories and the relationships and the things you know, those things are the things you can live on and they can't be taken away right now. And so, you know, what's really important in your life? You know, the Bible says number your days. And so, um, you know, we're in that type of, of time right now. Use this time to to reflect and, and be with your family and friends and loved ones. But um, also, you know, you can still get better. You can still get better as a player. And so I think that's our job as coaches is to kind of give our players hope that, hey, it's it's going to return to normalcy but it's a tough time we got to keep kind of fighting and pushing and and being there for each other and reaching out you know I, I think i tweeted out the other day that it's not you know it's not it's it's physical distancing it's not social we should be checking on each other and and being there for each other you know more now than ever and coaches have to be able to find ways to be creative and and solve problems you know i think um you guys um probably have heard of Chris Beard, you know, the Texas Tech coach, a really good. And Brian Berg is one of yeah, my buddies sure. kind of way back. He actually recruited a player I coached in high school years ago. He just got hired at Georgia Southern. But uh, but he has a great story on okay, Chris great Beard when he was trying to be a, become an assistant with Bobby Knight back when Bobby Knight was at Texas Tech. And he said, Coach, uh, you, you understand, man, if you hire me, I'm going to be the hardest worker you've ever – seeing your life and he said he was eating a piece of pizza at the time and he kind of sit there for a minute and he said if you'll hire me I'll I'll outwork anyone anywhere I'll be the best assistant in the country and he said he kind of finished his piece of pizza and wiped his mouth and he said Chris I'm not really worried about if you work hard that's a given if you want to be good in anything in this world you have to be a hard worker you have to you have to outwork people he said the biggest thing I want is guys that have the ability to get things done. And I just I remember when hearing that, I thought, man, if that's not the the biggest skill in the world today is being able just to solve problems, be a solution. And so in these times, we can all play victim of circumstance and say, oh, man, I can't work just like me. I could say, oh, man, the schools have all closed down. All the rec centers have closed down. Uh, you know, I can't work out kids, man. The CDC guidelines, I can't have any or I can do the opposite of that and say, What are ways I can still add value? What are ways I can still help coaches and players and parents? And so I I can make at-home workouts. I can, you know, make skill workouts. I can visually get, you know, online, do FaceTime calls and FaceTime workouts. I can go to homes and help kids get better. Um, And, again, you got to find solutions to problems instead of being the, you know, oh, man, the victim. We can all play victim right now. And so, you know, kind of the bottom line is you're either going to come out of this quarantine, you're either going to get better or you're going to get worse. Whatever you do, whatever it is that you profession, whatever it is as a, as a player, you're either going to get better or get worse. And that is totally a choice that's up to you by your habits and kind of what you do, you know, each and every day. And so I choose to be better. I choose to be a solution you know, find solutions to the problem that we're all going through. And, it, and it's, it's universal, you know, it's, everybody's going through the problem. You know, it's not, it doesn't, doesn't matter how rich you are or where you come from, what part of the, this is a global thing. And so, um, again, that's kind of my advice I would give to to players and coaches is, Hey, find solutions. Don't, don't play the victim.
0: Yeah. Be solution-based. I love that. And you, you are, cause you're on your Twitter, your Facebook. I, that's where um uh, of course, you send me a bunch of workouts, but you have it right there on Facebook. So you're you're very transparent. And I do recommend the coaches to contact you because you always do a great job responding back. Uh, what's you the best way to contact me
1: you? at Beck at PuresweatBasketball.com. And then um, I'm pretty active on Twitter, just at Coach John Beck and don't have an A in the in John. I mean, don't have an H in John. So it's just J O N. Um and they can reach out to me from there. I don't mind giving my phone number out. Um if if you'll kinda direct message me. Uh usually I have, you know, tell coaches, hey, if you'll reach out to me, you know, through an email or through social media, I can give you my number and we can kind of kind of go from there. but um but coach, sure. I really appreciate you having yeah. me on and in these times, man. I hope you stay safe and, and uh anything I can do to help any coaches and players. Thanks, Tom. I, I know we talked about maybe getting getting out there and, and, uh, doing your clinic. I hope you can have that. Is that that in September or when is that usually?
0: Yes, sir. Actually we're trying right now. We're kind of wait, it's wait and see, but, um, we're looking at, uh, mid September again, and we would love to have you out. Um, matter of fact, we'll keep trying to build our clinic, man. I'm a clinic guy. We'll keep trying to get more coaches present. Um, but we got some great high school coaches from around the country, um and heck, I'm looking to get hopefully uh, maybe the whole staff of Bentonville coming out man, to uh, do awesome. some do some things too. Um. So, but thanks again, man, John. You're just a. I mean, I, I really appreciate uh, appreciate all your uh, transparency. You're you can tell you're just trying to help out others, and I appreciate particularly in this time, it's definitely needed. Thank you, sir. So, thanks again for coming on, John. Thank you. Bye bye. All right. Take care.
1: Hey, this is NBA skills coach Drew Hanlon of Pure Sweat Basketball, and I've been working hard to build an online basketball school to help players and coaches. I'd love for you to check it out at puresweatbasketball.com. Hey, coaches, this is Brad Hillegoss, content producer at Huddle for the NBA, NCAA Division One, and high school basketball. I'm a big fan of Coach Furtado's podcast, Championship Vision, because it connects coaches around the country that want to continue learning and growing our beloved game. The X's and O's, coaching philosophy, teaching principles, they're all here. And that's a mission that we're working on at Huddle as well. More than 160,000 teams, including the best in the world, use Huddle to elevate their performance with video. But our collection of online tools is much more than that. Mobile desktop apps, smart cameras, video editing, data analytics software, the list goes on. But our goal is to help coaches like you teach the game in a modern way, whether that's connecting with your athletes, communicating your game plan or looking to gain a competitive edge. And if you want to see how Huddle can help your program, visit huddle.com. That's H-U-D-L.com to learn more. And of course, keep listening to the Championship Vision Podcast to never stop
0: learning.